Radio. Crisis, restlessness, and the meaning of life. A talk by Mark Nemo at the Immaculata Mission School 2017, held at the Launceston Church Grammar School in Tasmania. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me here. And sister, thank you for the kind words of introduction. Yeah, I remember. It was in the year 2000 that I came to Australia. Huh? That's my first time in Australia. Can you believe it? It's already what? How many years now? 17 years. Wow. Unbelievable what the Lord can do, you know? So I, I thank God. I thank God for your witness, sister. Thank God for, for, for inviting me here. I was, I was in Brisbane. Uh, when was it? In July? Yeah, I came with my wife and my and two daughters, two of my daughters. By the way, did she tell you I have one wife? Okay, I have one wife and three daughters. So I often say I'm blessed amongst women. Just like our blessed mother. Everywhere I turn at home, it's women around. Okay, so I never win. I've learned, I've learned how to how to ponder everything and keep it in my heart. You know, like Mary did. Eh? You don't say much. I'm like St. Joseph, you know. I don't think St. Joseph said a lot. Did he say a lot in the Bible? No. So I'm always quiet. I go, hmm. Hmm. So complex to live with women. I'm sorry. But because like my daughters, they can be playing and laughing one minute. The next minute, they are crying and screaming at each other. And my wife is all upset. And I'm sitting there going, what happened? <laughs> so somebody has told me, you know, don't try to figure it out, you know. So it's cool. It's cool. It's a real joy. It's a real joy to, to be here. And uh, before I came to Australia, I actually met Australians. Okay, I used to serve on the International Council for the Charismatic Renewal in the Vatican. So I used to represent English-speaking Africa, all of the countries in English-speaking Africa. And, and for my first meeting in, in the Vatican, when I went, there was this guy called Brian Smith. Okay, where was he from? From, from Brisbane, yeah, Brian Smith. And he, 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 I mean, he's gone to be with Jesus now, but he was such a lovely man, you know? And he told us the story of his experience going to Rome, going to the Vatican. He says, when, when, when he, when he called the office, right? And told the secretary he was arriving, he said, my name is Brian Smith. I'm from Australia and I'm arriving in Rome to die. Did you get what I said? Is I'm arriving in Rome to die. So the secretary, this Italian girl, rushed to the director and said, I don't know why Brian Smith is coming all the way from Australia to die in Rome. <laughs> Did you get it? So, so I had to learn something of the Australian accent. You know that... 
you know, <laughs> you said die. So I learned the song. This is the die. This is the die that the Lord has made. That the Lord has made. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so this is this is exciting. This is exciting. You know, Australia. And when I came in 2000, the year 2000, I think I visited about seven cities. Can you imagine within a span of about three weeks? I even went to Wagga Wagga. You know Wagga Wagga? Whoa! I preached in Wagga Wagga, the land of the crows, huh? That's what it means, land of the crows, Wagga Wagga. I can't believe where the Lord has taken me. And on the 1st of January 2017, look at where, I'm at, where, where I am. Hmm? All the way from Chicago. Uh, it's winter, by the way. I hope you know that. Hmm? In Chicago, it's winter. It's been snowing. It's been freezing. And so I'm, I'm very happy that I could escape the cold in Chicago and come here. And I see people in jackets and stuff. And I'm going, what? This is summer for me, baby. This is summer for me, baby. All right. So I've lived in Chicago for 12 years now. Okay. I went over to Chicago to, to do graduate studies, to study theology, okay, to, to, to do a master's degree in theology and a doctorate in theology. So I got done four years ago, okay? So hopefully I won't give you any bad theology. Hmm? And thank God His grace, the Archbishop is here, so uh, he'll be able to correct all my heresies, Okay? If I, if I, if I commit any heresy. So, so it's been great. It's been great to be in the city of Chicago, uh, for these past 12 years. It's a city that's been read with violence. I don't know if you, you, you've read something or, you know, seen it on the news, but it's one of the, one of the most violent cities in America right now. I, I live in the south side, south side of Chicago. Uh, I actually live on the street that the famous gangster Al Capone lived on. Yeah, for real. Have you heard about Al Capone? Yeah. His mother lived not very far from my house. Okay. It used to be a very Irish community. Right now it's a very African-American community. So, uh, and the church I attend, St. Columbanus, which is just across the street, South Prairie, that's the street. Uh, it's believed that Al Capone contributed a lot. In buying the stained glasses, a beautiful church was all imported from Austria, Tyrol, you know, Al Capone, baby. So he spent some of the money, you know, <laughs> he gave some of the money to the church. Can you believe it? Yeah, famous guy. So, so it's a city that's been read with violence. Towards the end of the year, I think the estimates was like over 4,500 people were shot in the year 2016. And, uh, about 753 people died. So can you just imagine that? So uh, I know families that have been impacted by the violence. Okay, I teach kids who have lost their brothers, their sisters, uh, their dads, you know. And in the church, you know, we have funerals every now and then of young people who've been shot. So it gives you a lot to reflect on the meaning of life, right? And I think that's my topic for tonight. Part one, okay? The meaning of life. If you just 
see what's happening in the world. It's not only Chicago, but probably you've seen it on the news, right? Uh, Belgium, Brussels, right? You've seen what's happening in Syria and Iraq and all these places. So it's so it's like very prophetic. Saint John Paul II, he, he described this as a culture of death, right? So it's like we live in a culture of death. And, and he says we should pray that this culture of death will be replaced by a civilization of love and a culture of life. Amen? By the way, feel, feel free to say amen or hallelujah as I preach. Huh? Because, amen, good. Because in the south side of Chicago, you know, it's okay. It gives the preacher five minutes extra to preach. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, if you agree with what I'm saying. Don't you, you don't need to be a prophet or a rocket scientist to know that we live in the culture of death. Isn't that true? Yeah. Amen. 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 So, so if you look at life generally, if you look at life generally, you know, it's, it, it appears as if there's crisis everywhere. Like there's a, there's crisis everywhere, right? In the political arena, right? We, we just held our elections in America. Thank God I didn't vote. I mean, I cannot vote because I'm not a citizen, right? I only have a green card. I'm a permanent resident. But what people went through between Donald Trump and uh, Hillary, what? Clinton, right? You, did you hear about that? Do you guys watch the news? Yeah, and the shock people had when they woke up and it was Donald Trump, <laughs> all right? So, so like there's this crisis all across the, the world, you know? Uh, there's a crisis in our socio-political, uh, what do you call it, cultural arena. Whole area of religion, faith. Like there's a crisis. There's a crisis in the moral lives of people. It's a crisis in family. Hello. When I say hello, say hi. hi. I mean, think about the dysfunction and the stuff that is going on in the world. Like there's a crisis, you know? Think about the whole thing of the environment. Global warming. Hello. Some are saying it's a hoax. Others are saying it's real. There's like a fight. You hear about pro-life, right? You hear about pro-what? Choice. Isn't that right? Like there's a crisis. It's a crisis. Look at the refugees. I mean, three weeks ago I was in uh, Dubai. I was in the United Arab Emirates preaching and you know, my hotel room, I just turned on the TV and was BBC News. Man, I, I, my, I, was just, I was just weeping. Just look at the destruction. Lives being lost. And it's the women and the children. And, and ISIS. And they're taking young girls. Selling them out as slaves. I mean, there's a crisis out there. And Pope Francis has been screaming and telling the whole world. Don't you see what's happening? Can we do something? Do, do you know he took some refugees in, into the Vatican? Are you aware of that? Yeah. He, he took some refugees in. 
So there's a crisis, displaced peoples. And, and many of us in the Western world, we've, we've not seen anything like But ask my sisters in Af- from Africa. We see it like, this is like <laughs> every day. People who have been displaced by war. I live in Ghana. We've never had a war in Ghana, but all the surrounding nations, the Ivory Coast had a civil war. Liberia had a civil war, Sierra Leone. So refugees just poured into our countries. In my community, we had to take in, what, five people one night. They just knocked at our door, strangers. See, we have nowhere to sleep. What do you do? Go away? And we knew they were refugees. We took them in. It's a risk. But we had to feed them. We had to open the door. Right? And European nations are closing their doors. You know, kind of like Brexit. Hello. (laughs) You heard about Brexit? Yeah. Make America great again. And Donald Trump wants to build walls. Right? What is Pope Francis saying? Build bridges. Right? People are saying it's the foreigners. They are taking our jobs, you know? It's like a crisis. But can I, can I give you some history here? Hmm? Can I give you some history here? When the British were sailing around the world, they came to my country, gold, they called it the Gold Coast. Ghana was called the Gold Coast, right? <laughs> Do you know what they took from Ghana? Gold, baby. Gold, baby. And we welcomed them, right? We fought for independence 1957 and, you know, they went away. Now, hmm, people from Ghana are going to the UK. They say, you are foreigners. <laughs> we don't want you here. It's a crisis in the world. It's a crisis everywhere. So politically, all these things are happening. Oh, talk about the health crisis. We thought we were done with AIDS, HIV. Hmm? And then Zika shows up. And Ebola shows up. And foot and mouth disease shows up. You know, you're just wondering, when is it all going to end? When is it all going to end? My, my pastor in, in, in Chicago once preached a sermon. I'll never forget it. He says, there are like three categories of people. Hmm? One group are just coming out of a crisis. Are you with me? One group is about to just go into a crisis. <laughs> Are you with me? They're coming out of a crisis. You're about to go into a crisis. And then one group is in a crisis. So where are you tonight? I can bet there are some of you sitting here who are in a crisis. Are, are, you, are you hearing me? Am I communicating? Right now, there are some of you who are in a crisis. There are others who are just coming out of a crisis. And there are those who are about to go into a crisis. That's life, baby. Welcome to the real world. Welcome to the real world. Turn to your neighbor and say, welcome to the real world. Say to somebody, welcome to the real world. And when you see... You see, we're talking about the meaning of life. When you see all these things happening, some of you want to run away. Okay? I live in Chicago. When you get on the I-57 
Yeah, interstate, okay? What do you call them here? Highways? Yeah, that takes you from Chicago to Memphis. Memphis, Tennessee. Sometimes when it gets hot in Chicago with all the violence, people want to take the I-57. They want to go far away to Memphis. Maybe you've come to Tasmania to escape a crisis. But I have good news for you. You came to meet the Lord. Hallelujah. (laughs) This is the good news. I like the sisters. You were leading us in that reflection. You know, I want to see you. I want to meet you. Okay. God has, has a great plan for your life. Okay. You came here maybe with burdens, whatever it is. But you have a loving God who has his arms open. He wants to embrace you. He wants to embrace you. No matter where you are. You may be in a crisis. He wants to embrace you in the crisis. You may be just coming out of a crisis. He has his arms open. Or maybe you are just about to go into a crisis. Oh no, really? (laughs) Somebody says, oh no. (laughs) This is life, baby. This is life. Did, Did I tell you I lost my mother four weeks ago? Have I told you that? Oh, I've not told you that. Yeah. So she's still actually in the morgue because uh, the funeral will be in three months. Okay. All my siblings are all over the world. There's seven of us. So we have to organize our calendars and everything. So her burial will be on the 18th of March. In the last three years, can I tell you the people I've lost? Okay. My father passed away three years ago. He was 85. Great man of God. Okay. His name was John. (laughs) Okay. Married to my mother for 57 years. So I went over for the funeral. Okay. Came back to the States with my mother-in-law because she had stage four breast cancer. So I brought her, wanted her to come and rest a little bit. She had had a mastectomy. Do you call it mastectomy? Yeah. Okay. So I brought her. Came with her to the States. The cancer spread, metastasized to her lungs and her liver and all that. She stayed with us for two years. While she was with with us in the States, my father-in-law died. So mercy. My wife's name is Mercy. Did I tell you that too? Oh, God's been so merciful to me, baby. (laughs) And and so my father-in-law died. And then my mother-in-law had to go and bury her husband. She came back. Her situation was just getting bad and bad and bad and bad. Talk about crisis. And then she died. January 8th last year. And then my mother followed. So within three years, we've had to bury my father, her father, her mother, and now it's my mother. (laughs) Do you understand the meaning of life? What what can I say? If you've been through all this, what can you say? Can you have a smile on your face? Are are you saying, are you saying no? (laughs) Do you see a smile on my face? Do you you know where the difference is? Where do I get the smile from? That's why I like the Archbishop's sermon. You see, 
Because without faith, life is meaningless. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Without God, I'll, I'll state it that blunt. I don't know how people make it without God. But now I think I'm discovering how they make it. Because if you try to fill up your life with stuff, if you try to fill up your life with things that have the appearance of giving you meaning, you can survive for a while. But take those things away and then you're left broken. Amen? Amen? I mean, I live in America, so I've seen a bit in this, these last 12 years. Talk about Hollywood <laughs> and celebrities dying and, you know, what's his name? Prince. You heard about Prince? Purple Rain, you guys know? These guys are wealthy. But they have all the money in the world. But they are in pain. And so, what do they do? They try to numb the pain and then they end up with an overdose. Whitney Houston. Talk about gift. Talk about talent. Michael Jackson, baby. Come on, check the moonwalk. Yeah, you know the moonwalk? What, what's the, the British guy's name? George Michael, right? And just gone. 53 years old. 53 years old. So you, you start to ask yourself this, this big question. What's life all about? We used to do a, a skit in school of, uh, my school of discipleship, you know? We called it life. What's it all about? I mean, we, we performed it once in England in, in the Newcastle dances. These white blokes were like, I took a team of seven young Africans, right? So the church was packed. Everybody seated. And the mime is such, the skit is such that people get up, you know, like my guys. Somebody gets up and goes, life, what is it all about? Then another person screams, life, what is it all about? Life, what is it all about? Life, what is it all about? And then they all walk, they all walk, they all walk and come and they line up in the front. I'm just giving you, that. we'll, we'll have to practice that mime, right? Yeah. And then they come and everybody goes this way like they are sleeping. And then one person, you know, like the main guy who is leading the thing steps out and he says, you wake up in the morning and everybody goes this way. You brush your teeth. You wash your face. You eat breakfast and you go to school. And you work. And you come back and you sleep. And everybody's sleeping. You wake up in the morning. So it's like you go through the routine and one person shouts, stop. I'm bored with life. And he says, oh, my friend, why are you bored? He says, you just wake up in the morning. You brush your teeth, you brush, you, you, you wash your face. I said, you brush your face. <laughs> you wash your face, you eat breakfast, you go to school, you study, you come back home. He says, I'm bored. He says, what do you want? He says, you know, I, I just, I just want to have a good time. I, I want to have money. So he says, you want money? Okay, have the money. Gives him the money. He goes to bed. He sleeps. Wake up in the morning. You wash your face. You Brush your teeth, you eat breakfast, huh? you go to work, ah, then the person says, stop. That's the second person. 
What do you want, my friend? I'm bored in life. I'm bored in life, man. I want the booze. I want the booze. I want to be able to drink and have a good time. And he says, you want drink? Okay, have the booze. Gives it to him. He's drunk. He's drunk. And then he comes to sleep. You wake up in the morning. You brush your teeth. You wash your face. You eat your breakfast. And the next person says, stop. I'm bored in life. What do you want? Oh, man, I need the chicks, you know. Yeah. He says, I need the women, you know, because I'm, I'm alone. I'm lonely. I'm the, you, need, you need a woman? Okay, you can have a woman. He goes, he parties, 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 parties. Comes back, he sleeps. Life, what is it all about? You wake up in the morning. You brush your teeth. You wash your face. You eat breakfast. You go, to, ah, stop. So they, they're lined up, right? And this person says, I need drugs. Just give me some cocaine, baby. I want to get high. Yeah. He says, you, you, okay, take it. So they all take it. Now, the final scene, he says, you wake up in the morning, you brush your teeth, you wash your face, you eat breakfast, you have the, what? The money, you have the booze, you have the women, you have the drugs, and they are going, they are going all about, all about like that. Chaos. It's confusing. They got all they want, but they are not satisfied. The next thing you see, all of them have crashed on the floor. So the guy stands and he says, is this life? Is this what life is all about? You got everything you wanted. But this is where it all ended up. Isn't that a powerful skit? So these white folk, they were like, Yeah, we came from Africa to evangelize them in England. They brought us the faith, but now we are just saying thank you to them. <laughs> yeah, we went back to say thank you. Huh? You brought us the faith, and now you are chasing Jesus out of Europe and America. Do you know the beautiful thing about it? When Mary and Joseph and Jesus eh, had to take refuge, where did they go to? Oh, yes. So a great preacher, Father Raniero Cantalamesa, who is a preacher to the papal household, he says, oh, don't worry. If you chase Jesus out of Australia, of America, of Europe, oh, we in Africa will always take Jesus in. <laughs> are, are you understanding what I'm saying? So we brought the good news to England. Life, what is it all about? I used to be a chaplain at a hospital in Chicago for about three years, the University of Chicago, and, you know, ministering to people in pain. I, I heard several times, you have people who go, life sucks. Have you heard that before? I mean, people go like, life really sucks. I want to die. You've heard that again and again and again. You see, we are not the first to, 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 to reflect on life like that. Hmm? There's a, there's a book in the Bible called Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapters 1 and 2. <laughs> the writer of this book is so interesting. Listen to what he says. He says, vanity of vanities, says Kohelet. Vanity of vanities. All things are vanity. He's reflecting on life and he says, what? It's like, life is like useless. Right? He, he goes on. I mean, the reflection is so beautiful. What profit have we from all the toil 
which we toil at under the sun. One generation departs and another generation comes, but the world forever stays. The sun rises and the sun sets. Then it presses on to the place where it rises. Shifting south, the north, back and forth shifts the wind, constantly shifting its course. All rivers flow to the sea, yet never does the sea become full. Have you thought about that? All rivers flow to the sea. Has the sea ever become full? This is wisdom, baby. Yeah. He says, it's all vanity. Now, he goes to chapter 2, and I just want to read this part, and I'll go on. But he he says, from verse 16 of verse 2, he says, The wise person will have no more abiding remembrance than the fool. The wise person will, will, will not have, what? No more abiding remembrance than the fool. For in days to come, both will have been forgotten. How is it that the wise person dies? Have you thought about that? Why is it that a wise person dies like the fool? Hmm? Then he goes on, he says, therefore I detested life. And he says, since for me the work that is done under the sun is bad, for all is vanity and a chase after the wind. Right? So for, for many people, it's like this reflection that's given by this guy called Kohelet. Right? He says like, life is like chasing the wind. Life is like chasing the wind. And I'm sure there are some of you here who have experienced things. If I should call you to come and stand here and testify, we will all be in tears. I know it. I know it because I've encountered people. Listen, I'm 52 years old, in case you didn't know. Hmm? I've seen a few things in this world. Right? When I was young, my father was a professor in a university in Ghana. Right? He taught psychology. Our neighbors, I think I was probably about 10 years old. One evening, I just heard screaming in that house. Right? All the neighbors were rushing to the house. It was this woman. She was pregnant, right? And she had two young daughters. She had just been informed her husband was involved in a car accident and had died. Can you imagine this? Expecting a baby with two little girls and your husband dying tragically in an accident. It was a painful experience. I remember very well the screams and everything. Okay. Fast forward probably about 10 years or so after this. I was in college then. I had been touched by the Lord. And I had gone to this high school to preach. This girl walks up to me and says, Brother Mark, I know you. I said, what? Where do you know me? You remember we used to live near your house. She was now a big girl. You remember that? Okay, I said, where's your mom? She says, Brother Mark, you won't believe what happened. This is the girl who lost her father, right? Okay. The child that the mother was pregnant with, the mother gave birth, was a boy. They called him brother, right? He says, you won't believe what happened. My, my brother uh, was just involved in a car accident and he has also died. I mean... Talk about life. 
This woman lost her husband when she was pregnant with this boy. So the boy was born and he, he never knew a father. Now this boy has grown. He's been involved in a car accident. He's also what? Dead. Now, if I sit with this woman, right? What can I tell her <laughs> to convince her that life has meaning? That's why people come out with all kinds of... Have you heard about that brand that says life is good? Have you, have you heard about... Oh man, I think it developed in America. There, there's, there's a poster into my room right now. Life is good. You've not heard about life is good? They have sweatshirts. They have everything. People try to encourage themselves to, to, to the point that, you know, it's not all that bad. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, a lot of tragedies happen and all that. And people sometimes say, oh, life begins at 40. Have you heard that before? Life begins at... What do you mean life begins at 40? What do you mean life begins at 40? No. Because you may not even live to be 40. Are you understanding what I'm saying? You may not be even live to be 40. That's why God, God constantly warned Israel. And this morning, incidentally, I was woken up to read these scriptures. Deuteronomy, by the way, write it down. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Hmm? I read chapters 28 and chapter 30. But, but read those scriptures. They, they have a lot to to really tell us, God was warning Israel, keep the commandments of the Lord. Keep the commandments of the Lord. And in, in chapter 30, in chapter 30, reading from verse 11, it says, For this command which, which I am giving you today is not too wondrous or remote for you. It is not in the heavens that you should say, Who will go up to the heavens to get it for us and tell us of it? That we may do it. Nor is it across the sea. That you should say. Who will cross the sea to get it for us. And tell us of it. That we may do it. No. Say no. 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 Should I say it with an Australian accent? No. No. He says no. It is something very near to you. In your mouth. And in your heart to do it. God's commandments are not far away. He says it's very near to you. So he's speaking to Israel. And listen to this verse 15. Deuteronomy chapter 30. He says, see I have set before you life and good. Did you hear that? Say it after me. See. Louder. See. I have set before you life and good. Death and evil. If you obey the commands of the Lord your God, which I am giving you today, loving the Lord your God and walking in his ways and keeping his commandments, statutes and ordinances, you will live and grow numerous. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. If however, your heart turns away and you do not obey, but are led astray, And bow down to other gods and serve them. He says, I tell you today, you will certainly perish. You will not have a long life on the land which you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. 
He says, I call heaven and earth today to witness against you. I have set before you life and death. Listen to this. I've set before you life and death. The blessing and the curse. Now listen to this. He says, choose life. Say it after me. Choose life. Choose life. Then that you and your descendants may live. By loving the Lord your God. Obeying his voice. And holding fast to him. For that will mean life for you. A long life for you. To live on the land which the Lord swore to your ancestors. To Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. To give to them. Choose life. He says it. Choose life. Did you see the skit they performed here? Did you see the skit? Huh? What did he say? Hmm? Go through the what? Take the what? Jesus spoke about the same thing. Read Matthew chapter 7. Reading from verse 13 to 14. Hmm? He says, let me read it to you. In case you say, Brother Mark, it's in your Bible. But it's not in my Bible. Let me read it for you. Yeah. Matthew chapter. Or somebody has a Bible. Yeah, uh, please bring you come come here come here my sister yeah because this is the trouble with preachers sometimes you feel like I'm preaching at you and it's only in my bible eh? but it's not in your come, sister read it um yeah <laughs> enter by the narrow did you hear it says enter enter by the what the narrow did you hear so it, it's like he's, he's telling you there are options, but enter. Enter by, don't go away. Come on. Enter by the narrow gate. Enter by the narrow gate. And what does he say? For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. Did you hear that? For the gate is wide eh? and the road is what? Easy, broad. That leads to what? Destruction. And what does it say? And those who enter by it are many. Oh, the gate is wide and the road is broad. That leads to destruction. What does it say? And those who enter by it are what? Many. Many. Did, did you see all those people parked alongside here? They came. She told them, enter through the night. Oh, did you see the guy with the girl? Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, all of them, you saw them. Lined up here. And what does he say? The road that leads to life. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that it leads to life. And those who find it are few. I thought you'd give a clap and say amen. Yes. Yes. You see, but, but we don't, we, you were brought here to hear the gospel. Did you hear what I said? This is good news. Because many of us, we sit in church and you know what we think? We think of the reverse of that verse. Oh, everybody is going to heaven. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Oh, it's going to be nice. How can a loving God prevent people from going to heaven? My students asked me the other day, Dr. Nemo, how, how can you say that eh, eh, God, eh, how, how can a loving God send people to hell? I said, God doesn't send people to hell. He's a loving God. He wants all of us to be with him. 
We send ourselves. We send ourselves. We choose the broad and the wide way that leads to destruction. But he says what? Narrow and constricted is the road that leads to life. And only few people find it. So which road are you on? We're talking about the meaning of life, baby. The meaning of life. If you want life, it says what? Take the what? That's why I'm so blessed to see many of you here. It's the 1st of January and you've taken 10 days out of the year. You've started this year so well. And for the rest of your life, I tell you, you will thank God. You will thank God for these 10 days. You're not here by accident. Folks, I'm speaking the truth to you. You're not here by accident. It's not by chance. You thought, oh, I came by myself. Oh, even some of you feel like you were dragged here. I really didn't want to come, you know, but my mother paid for me. Really? You will thank your mother. You will thank your mother and thank your father. Because you know what? They want you to go where? To have life. Some of your friends are chilling right now. Out of the hangover of yesterday. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. But you are here. Because you've chosen what? The narrow way. It's constricted. It's hard. I'm sure you're sitting here when the songs were going. I want to see you. You were turning around looking at people saying. Really? Where's Jesus? I want to see him. Yeah, okay. Whatever. It's okay. It's okay. Wherever you are, eh, it's not you who is trying. He has seen you. And he is drawn close to you. This is the good news. Amen? Amen. I'll just be finishing very soon. Are you tired? Okay. So, let me tell you this. So, the saints, listen to this. The saints point the way to the meaning of life. Look around us. That's why I like this company. St. John Vianney. Have you seen him? Have you seen this guy? He, they, they thought he, was, he wasn't smart enough. So they nearly even didn't ordain him as a priest. You ask Bishop. Bishop will tell you. Because he, he didn't pass his Latin test. Can you imagine this? That you, you have decided to devote your life to God. You want to become a priest. They say, no, 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 no. You are not smart enough. But, but they ordained him anyway. And then they pushed him to a very bush, 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 bush parish. Like a place that nobody would even go there. Okay. So he went there. When he went there, he discovered the meaning of life. That he had to seek God and God alone. Singleness of purpose. That's how you discover the meaning of life. Sanctity. He wanted to be holy. He started hearing confessions. Do you know? People started traveling to this holy priest. Can you believe this? Sooner or later, the whole parish, everybody heard about it. That's St. John Vianney. Francis of Assisi. He loved the parties. Yeah, he was a young guy. He loved the party because his father was wealthy, very wealthy. 
But he encounters God and he hears like God is saying, Francis, rebuild my church. He's disturbed, disturbed. And what does he do? He does something about that. Friends, have you been disturbed by God? For me, that's, I came to disturb you, by the way. Let me let you know this. Hmm? Yeah. Dorothy Day. Dorothy Day said something. She says, you see, God hmm, hmm, comforts the afflicted hmm, and, 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 and afflicts the comfortable. Hmm? So if you are afflicted, God will come and comfort you. But if you think you are comfortable, God will afflict you. It's called the disturbance of God. So all these saints, they were disturbed by God. And they teach us the meaning of, do you know the age at which Francis died? He was 46 years old. St. Francis of Assisi, he was 46 years old. He, he, he said he wasn't even worthy to be ordained a priest. They forced him and ordained him a deacon. Yeah. When he died, Franciscans. Have, have you seen the Franciscans in the world? Because one soul, one soul found the meaning to life. Life begins at 40. Are you kidding me? St. Therese of Lisieux, the little flower. At what age did she enter the Carmelite convent? 16. 16. She entered, she wanted to be a missionary. She could never be, go out to the missions. Why? Because she was sick, poor in health. Died of tuberculosis at the age of 24. Life begins at 40. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? She never even had a chance to be 40. She's a saint. Maria Goretti. When I showed the movie of Maria Goretti to my 6th graders and 7th these kids were sitting down crying like babies. Yeah. She had just made her first Holy Communion. Singleness of purpose. She says, no, Alessandro, I won't allow myself to be defiled. Don't you love me? Yes, I love you, but I love you as a brother. Alessandro, don't do that to me. She says, if you don't allow me, I'm going to stab you like a dog. Go ahead. She chose to preserve her virginity. Hmm? And because of that, she was stabbed to death. But before she would die, she forgave the guy who killed her. Died at the age of what? 12 or 13. Yeah. Life begins at 40. Are you kidding me? Never got a chance even to be 20. 12. Saint. Saint. So this is what the saints teach us. They teach us the meaning. What? Meaning of life. Because look. <laughs> did you know there are two important dates in your life? Who, who knows those dates? Come on. Talk to me. Talk to me. Talk to me. The day you were born. Very good. And what's the second most important date? The day, oh, come on, no. The day you die when people are crying. No, 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 no. What's the second? Huh? Really? Do you remember the day you were baptized? No, it's a wise. The second most important day is the, the day you discover the reason why you were born. That's when you discover purpose. So the day you were born is important, but the day you discover the reason why you were born, that's when you begin to live. Otherwise, you are just existing. 
you're just existing. You're floating around. No purpose, no direction. That's what the saints teach us. Direction and purpose. So St. Augustine, I love St. Augustine. Oh, I went to a high school called St. Augustine. You know what St. Augustine said? He said, you made us, O Lord, for yourself. And our hearts are what? Restless until they rest in you. This is the fourth century. By the way, St. Augustine of Hippo was from Africa. Are you aware of that? Yeah, North Africa. Yeah. He says, our hearts are restless until they what? Rest in you. So the question here is, are you experiencing restlessness in your life? Check it. Check it. It's a sign. It's a sign that what? You've not discovered the meaning of life as yet. Father Ronald Rohais, I love him. He's an oblate. Eh? Oblate of Mary Immaculate. Cardinal Francis George of Chicago belonged to the same order. Uh, Father Ronald Rohaiser writes in a book, The Holy Longing. He says, we are not peaceful people who occasionally experience restlessness. Are you listening to me? He says, rather, we are restless people who occasionally experience peace. Restlessness. Gabriel Marcel, a French philosopher, he put it this way. He says, we suffer from what we call a human disease. Can, who can spell disease? Disease, disease. Do you know disease? How do you spell disease? Oh, come on. Spell disease. D-I-S-E-A. I like the Australian accent. E-I-E-I. <laughs> you see? So, just spell the D-I-S and put a hyphen there. That's a dis-ease. That's what he's saying. He says, we all suffer from a human Disease. That's a disease. Are you getting what I'm saying? I, I wish you would say amen to that. Amen. We all suffer from that human disease. Amen. The restlessness that St. Augustine speaks about. Because we've not discovered the meaning of life. The meaning of life. I'm getting to a point. This is only part one, baby. Tomorrow we're going to part two. But this... This, this, this leads me to this. If you are experiencing restlessness, what is the thing? Then we need to go back to the altar of life. Are you understanding me? If you, you want to find the meaning to life, go to the altar of life, the manufacturer of life. That was Mark Nemo with Crisis, Restlessness, and the Meaning of Life. For more from the Immaculata Mission School, visit cradio.org.au